or you can choose to haunt whoever you want in any way you want they also say that like in any time period too once you get out of high school like none of that matters and like you won't like it's all the people that like broke your heart and all the things that made you sad and all that like it doesn't matter anymore that's not true like i still look back in high school and i'm like i regret a lot of things not like hurting people or anything but like I am so sorry. I don't think any of my high school boyfriends will listen, all three of them. But I don't think I have any boyfriends in high school. (laughs) Well, I don't think I would have like dated Mark Domena like three times. Yeah. Like I think after the first breakup, I would have been like, okay, we're done here. This is not going to work out. Yeah. And I also don't think I would have bothered dating other women. (laughs) When you knew that this one was right, it was going to be here. Well, is it terrible that I think the only relationship in high school I don't regret was Justin? Hey, Justinines, I hope you're well. <laughs> I didn't have any. I didn't have any in high school. Barely had any in college. It's I. My dating pool is small, which is okay. Which is fine. I'm actually really okay with it. Yeah. Um, Quality over quantity. Uh, well, I would say that that describes my love life. <laughs> That's not what I was saying. I just, uh, quality and quantity are just equal. <laughs> right now. Isn't, aren't we so glad this is not a relationship advice podcast? Um, I think we give great relationship advice. Don't. That would be my, <laughs> just don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> Get some plants and a dog. It's going to be great. Depends on the dog though. A dog's a relationship too. And you got to like figure that out. One, that one right there. I love that one. She's a dummy. She's a cutie. If you um, follow historical underscore shade on Instagram, uh-huh. uh, you can see pictures of Penny. <gasps> yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Julie, you want you to you give everybody a little intro on what they're listening to and the craziness that's about to happen? Oh God, I should have written the script down. No, just say it. Say it from your heart. There's so much pressure. Okay. It's easy. Just do it. (sighs) All right, everyone. I'm going to do the historical shade intro from the heart. (laughs) Just starts weeping. (laughs) Hey, everybody, and welcome to Historical Shade. This is where we talk about some shade in history, some dicks, some screwovers, some things that have happened. Uh, just a note, we are not historians, we are interested in history, and we like fun things. So we are telling this from a humorous standpoint. Did I do okay? You did, you did fabulously. Fabulously. It was great. I loved it. Um, so Julie, we have someone joining us today. Yes, we do. We have our contributing commentator mike carr good afternoon or evening or morning whenever you're listening to this podcast out there in podcast land welcome good three thirty-three in the morning ah the old the witching hour ah the witching hour <laughs> um if a demon in your house has woken you up and that's why you're listening to this podcast we don't care you're still listening double double toil and travel 
invite the demon to listen with you. Maybe yeah. you can exercise them with historical topics and commentary. Yeah, yeah. they could leave a review. That's fine. Oh man, demon reviews are the best reviews. <laughs> they like everything. They don't hold shit back. They're they like, don't. this is how I feel. I'm a demon. And they just do what they really believe. Just, <laughs> just yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. So today. I'm so excited Mike's here uh, for many reasons, um, and I didn't know that he was going to be here when I figured out this topic. Um, I'm going to talk about Charles Dickens and the shade he gave to many things when he wrote A Christmas Carol. Why are you excited that I'm here for this? Uh, well, because... What kind of I'm, relationship do I have to Charles Dickens that would make you excited about this? Um, it actually makes probably Julie very unexcited. There is a... Um, a a finger puppet, I wish there was another way to say it, that is beloved to the theater community in Orlando, but hated vehemently by Julie. This all checks out. <laughs> yes. Um, so follow finger puppet Charles Dickens uh, on social media, or don't for Julie. But uh, <laughs> finger puppet Charles Dickens. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bother you. Something's making noise in my pocket. Oh, no. Did you bring him? <laughs> Of course I'm here. It's me, finger puppet Charles Dickens. I've made it to the radio waves. Uh, he's here. Oh, okay. I'll try to keep him quiet. I don't know. I'll do my best. You can control me. I'm Charles Dickens. I've jumped into a hole. Well, and I think he has. Good. I'm so glad <laughs> he will point out any inaccuracies. It's all lies and bullshit if it's against me. Are you sure it's Charles Dickens? What do you mean? Well, of course these it's people are Dickens. listening to a podcast, so they might be wondering if it's just like a bad imitation of Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> um, Charles, I'm sorry, Finger Charles. Is, is, are you, do you, how do you respond to that? Because Julie has thrown that accusation out a few times. Julie, Carl, let me tell you, lean in close, lean in close to my face. I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Number it's one. A finger puppet. Yeah, I'm a finger puppet. I have a face. It's a finger face. J Johnny Depp. Whoever the Jondled Depp is, Jondled J. Depp, he copied me. I'm an original. I was born in the, the 1800s. When was he born? I don't know if it was a good black club. This has really gone off the rails already. Um, I, <laughs> I just lost power for a second. I don't know if you saw that happen. I did. That was creepy. <laughs> Hopefully I lost power. If not, here we go. Maybe that was a demon giving you a review. Don't, don't say it! Don't terrify! <laughs> it was probably a demon. That's what it was. Nope, nope, it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay, so we have a finger puppet. My electricity is going out. This is a great start. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to now uh, do this entire podcast slightly terrified of what's behind the door of my closet. Yes, I'm in my closet. Uh, my sources for today are Time Magazine, The Garden, The Guardian, different from The Garden, and BBC.com. So a little bit about Charles Dickens, kind of giving you a framework of who he uh, was and what time period he grew up in. Uh, Charles Dickens was born in 1812 um, in a pretty volatile period, often referred to as the Age of Reform. So this is where industrialization um, was rapidly reshaping Britain and uh, legislators were more than ever like trying to adapt to the demands of all this industry. So how did they adapt to the demands of industry? Well, do you know who's really cheap for labor? Women. Actors. 
(laughs) Yes. And women and children. So if you're a female actor or a child actor, extra cheap. Um, So they started having a lot of child and women labor in, um, in all the factories. So this is also um, a type of a time in the population of London where it started to explode to over, um, it was 1 million and then it became like three times that number uh, during Charles Dickens' life. So he saw this major explosion in London. He also saw this major explosion in industry, but also all of these uh, child labor laws. Um, not labor laws, child labor, no laws. No laws against it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and then it was probably one of the biggest um, started, it started to create this huge divide between the upper class and the lower class. Before then it was like, oh, you were country folk or you were city folk. Now it became true that like, if you lived in the city, there was a different, like a definitive separation of class. So Charles Dickens wanted to write a uh, brochure basically about the horrors of what he saw every day when it came to child labor laws and, or not labor, I keep saying child labor laws, but they didn't exist yet. Child labor and um, women working in these industries. And, but he knew that like a brochure probably wasn't going to get the results that he wanted. So he thought, I'm going to sit down and write a book about it. Uh, So that's the first like little nugget to all of this that's happening. The second little nugget is that um, when we think of the book A Christmas Carol, we think about, you know, oh yeah, that's exactly how Christmas is. Oh, it just becomes this like fond memory for us. But when I was doing this research, it was very interesting about what Christmas used to be. So Christmas actually um, was not considered a very high holiday. It, Boxing Day was huge in England, obviously. And then the what we think of like the Christmas celebration was actually celebrated uh, on the Epiphany, which is January 6th. And the Epiphany is when um, the wise men came and recognized the birth of Christ. So that was official Christmas. I actually know that because every year my mother refuses to take the tree down until the epiphany. I know that too. I know that too. I've done I've <laughs> that into, into a Christmas carol, but then the editors were like, take it out, take it out, dick. And I was like, don't call me that. And then I punched <laughs> them in the face. I do this a podcast and no one can see my face. Just I can see your face. I'm sorry. I, I look like a ginger emer- like like version of that emoji should i not have invited him i i thought it would be nice because you know i'm regretting inviting you (laughs) well she's really cold-hearted this is a cold-hearted snake looking to her eyes (laughs) i wrote that song you did not write that song it's a dead paul abdul stole it from me oh oh that's another topic (laughs) uh but christmas charles we'll we'll get to you i promise i know i know shut up (laughs) But uh, Christmas, as we like, as we kind of know it, was uh, really popular as a pagan holiday for a really long time. And then there was, if we want to talk about a war on Christmas, there truly was a war on Christmas a long time ago by the Puritans. Oh yes. So Oliver Cromwell banned Christmas 
for during his not reign but during his rule over england and christmas didn't actually come back till charles the second and then when it came back under charles the second it was very like only country folk celebrated it so it was not a sophisticated time uh, and then actually in Massachusetts, because that's mm-hmm. full of Puritans, they banned Christmas for 22 years. Um, they banned it so much that they had in London and in, Bo- in Massachusetts, they had um, shops and markets were told to stay open on December 25th. And soldiers were ordered to patrol the streets, seizing any food they discovered being prepared wow. for Christmas celebrations. Wow. We moved to the, the Puritans came here so they could celebrate their religion freely. Isn't yes. that correct? And then they told you, you can't celebrate it unless it's ours. Well. Fuck them. <laughs> you suck. <sighs> oh, Puritans. So that, that was like the true like war on Christmas. So if you think about for a very long time, they were like, hey, if you are even seen preparing a goose on December 25th, we are locking you up. That's awesome. <laughs> You're not going to do it. Like, even if it's like, oh, it's legal now. Like, think about how much people are like, oh, well, weed is legal now, but like, I don't, I don't want to because there's such a stigma about it. So even when Christmas became... <laughs> Can we now refer to smoking weed as preparing the Christmas goose? <laughs> Like, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm just going to go prepare the Christmas goose. Prepare the Christmas goose around like 11 and then just let yeah. it simmer. Yeah, I'm going to prepare the Christmas goose early because I got to hang out with some people all day and I'm just like, yeah. I need to be chill. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure it's real tender because I can't. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... so this dank Christmas goose. <laughs> <laughs> what strain is this Christmas goose? Man. <laughs> <laughs> but so people just weren't into it like they it's like oh you're allowed to celebrate christmas again and they're like oh, all right so they weren't they still and so december 25th was nothing in london so people were still working kids were still working so charles dickens saw this and was like that's okay all right that's interesting um and especially a lot of people who were still kind of under the oliver cromwell way of life and that kind of puritan let's get things done definitely december 25th was nothing to any of them so there's that little nugget as well on top of all of this sorry finger puppet charles dickens i'm gonna say so truth uh finger puppet charles dickens was not uh real charles dickens i know you're the real one Um, was not doing so hot financially and he had his family to feed and he had um, and he wanted to feed them quickly yeah just shut them up (laughs) eat your food and shut up (laughs) so he wanted to do something where he could get money back very quickly so the easiest way to do that is to write a book that is released by a certain time so that people buy it around that time. So he said, okay, I'm going to write a book about Christmas. I'm going to call it a Christmas Carol and hopefully I'll get money back pretty quickly. That wasn't the original title. The original title was Christmas Diane. The main (laughs) character was a nice woman named Diane. Well, it's a Christmas Diane who showed up in the night to show Ebenezer Scrooge a good time, but it didn't wasn't well received. <laughs> with her Christmas gifts. Yeah, she brought some dank Christmas gifts <laughs> with her. She said, you want to hit this Scroogey? And he said, yes, I do. <laughs> this is taking a turn. 
I don't know what you're talking about, Julie Cobb. <laughs> so he proposes this idea to his uh, publishers, and they're and they're like, "It's not nobody likes Christmas. Nobody, nobody's gonna read this." Um, but he's like, "No, I'll do it anyway." So they sign a deal uh, for him to publish this, and they sign it for pretty, pretty cheap. So Charles Dickens is gonna sell this book for nothing. Uh, for just enough to kind of feed his family on. So um, right around the time, though, I will say that Queen Victoria recently married German Prince Albert, and so who brought the Christmas tree over from Germany. So the idea of the festival being a time of family and celebration was like slowly, people are like, oh, the Germans celebrate it. Maybe, maybe we'll just, that'd be cool. I mean, if the Germans are doing it. Yeah, like everyone. Oh, no, nope. don't, don't take that through history. Oh, <laughs> nope. Uh, so, so that because of Prince Albert and, and the kind of that, you know, everyone loves royalty. They're like, oh, well, I mean, they're celebrating Christmas this year. Maybe we might sell the book. So that's why they end up signing it is because they feel like that's kind of their hook. So they sell this deal, so he starts writing. So he creates, obviously, this book about, uh, oh, I hope I don't have to explain Christmas Carol, uh, but he, uh, where it follows uh, Scrooge. Now, I didn't know this. Do you know what Scrooge is named after? Scrooge McDuck. Yes. No. It's actually the word screw and gouge put together. Oh. I knew that because I wrote it. <laughs> I didn't want to say it beforehand because I wanted you to just get it right. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's very kind of you, Charles. Thank yes. you. Yes, and so it it puts together um, Scrooge is a man who uh, is a banker, but it kind of puts a platform over anyone who has to work December 25th um, about how they're just trying to get money and trying to get money and trying to get money. One of the biggest parts that I just want to kind of throw out there that really um when I was researching this and I see you know you see it Christmas every year and you're like oh my goodness but I just want to throw this one out there so ghosts of Christmas future or ghosts of Christmas Christmas present go to Christmas present uh he starts to decline right because he's too big for where he's going so he's really big he appears once a year and he starts to go and decline very quickly within the day is part of ghost christmas present and then there appears a boy and a girl on either side of him so the boy is named ignorance and the girl is named want right and charles dickens then writes beware of them both and all of their degree, but most of all, beware of this boy, which is ignorance. I just want to throw that out there that I think I personally got really caught up in like the Christmassy nature of this story, but he really wrote it to be like, hey, we, we need to stop children from working like this. Like we are killing babies. That's what we're doing. We are killing little kids by making them work in these industries. So that, that moment of ignorance and want, but going beware them both and of all their degree, but most of all beware of this boy. So everyone was kind of turning a blind eye because they wanted all this industry, industry, industry to what was happening. They were being ignorant to the plight of these little kids. So anyway, that just 
don't know, made my heart gleam. Yeah, and to the calm, a wonderful, wonderful person. <laughs> children, and you hate me. Well, you're so I'm still in the first act of the so, You have a dark soul. <laughs> so, um, so it, so he releases this book. And uh, spoiler, it's kind of a success. It's a big success. And because of that, things start changing. First off, Christmas starts to become celebrated again, right? A big thing about this book is the phrase Merry Christmas comes from a Christmas carol. People didn't say it before this book. Anyway. Out of curiosity, mm -hmm. what did they say before the book? Like, would they say... Happy Christmas. Happy Happy Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not Happy Holidays. No, no. I, that would have just like a beautiful irony. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Happy Christmas. Um, and so Merry Christmas comes from this book. They people start to um, factory owners start to take December twenty fifth off. Uh, there is one in Chicago who literally read the book and said the book changed him, and he. Stop, and he fired, not fired, but he got rid of like- He fired child. the children. You're all fired. <laughs> but he said like, no, 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 we can't Merry have them working. Merry Christmas, time. you're fired. We can't have you working this time. Like, I'm not, I'm not having children work in my, in these dangerous occupations anymore. Um, the, the ideal of a white Christmas is from a Christmas carol. Before that, it was just, you know, okay, well, it's December Dang. 25th. You know, it is what it is. Um, so instant hit, it started changing things rapidly, especially how we celebrate Christmas and how we know Christmas. Um, it did not make Charles Dickens rich because nope. he signed, he signed a contract because he was desperate for money to pay him very, very little. Um, I got so, swoggled. I got hornswoggled. He got scrooged. I got scrooged. Hoisted got scrooged. by my own patard. <laughs> Hoisted um, like on a ship in Pirates of the Caribbean. This is not even a movie. I don't know what you're talking about. This is first, this is where the black pope. <laughs> so, um, so Charles Dickens also he wrote several other Christmas stories after a Christmas Carol because you know this one, like Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, <laughs> such a hit. Let's make others. See how those go. Did they did they have repeating characters? Like was Scrooge back in them? Was it was it like Tiny Tim's Revenge or like what happened? No, although Tiny Tim's Revenge sounds like my next movie that I'm gonna make. Um, but putting that on my vision board. Tiny Tim's Revenge. Um, but they did have the ghost stories. So he was adamant that ghosts had to be present at Christmas, and he was adamant that we had to look at people. Um, to think about people who had passed on. Mm -hmm. And he was also adamant to look at our own failures. That was a big thing that Charles Dickens wanted from Christmas is to take a, a time to reflect at your own like successes and failures, which I think we do now more on New Year's Eve, but that was his big, those were kind of themes that went throughout all of them. Uh, he did also have a lot of goblins <laughs> In a lot of his Christmas stories. I like goblins. They're fun. Goblins are fun creatures. They are. But that's um, where they think those may have shifted into Santa's elves. Like, just that thought of, like, goblin. Oh. Like, it just may have started to creep into there. Um, there's no, yep, like... That was my intention. I did that on purpose. <laughs> yep. Sure you did. Sure did. you did. Uh, and then 
after Christmas Carol, um, you know, I, you read a lot about artists that like, there, there are many different types of artists, but there's a lot of artists that like, oh, I'm going to put this thing out into the universe because of this injustice. And that's all. Mm -hmm. But Charles Dickens actually was really good at kind of practicing what he preached. So he, he spent most of his, um, overarching vision trying to reform society but he really tried to spend over a decade on a project to help destitute girls and young women in the mid 19th century London. So that was where like his heart kind of was. Um, he was supported by this heiress uh, named Angela Burdett Coutts. I may be pronouncing that wrong. Uh, and he established Urania Cottage and that was a safe house for young women where they were taken from lives of prostitution and crime and trained for useful employment. So that's just a cool thing that I thought Dickens, you know, practiced what he preached. Damn right it did. That was a great man. <laughs> great man. Heroes all. Uh, and another thing that he really tried to do with Christmas Carol is show the kind of hypocrisy of the of the Christian world at that point. Um, and if you read a lot of stuff, if you like read A Christmas Carol and you read how... Um, London was at that time, it was a very Christian, Christian, Christian nation, but yet they didn't, they didn't practice what they preached. So it was very interesting. So there's a guy, I want to kind of end on this um, quote. So uh, this guy named Lord Jeffrey, and he was the editor of the Edinburgh Review, um, gave a response to um, A Christmas Carol. And to, you know, and he wrote, uh, blessings on your kind heart. You may be sure you have done more good by this little publication, fostered more kindly feelings, and prompted more positive acts of benefit, benefitness than can be traced to all the pulpits and confessionals in Christendom. Ooh. Drop the mic. <laughs> Calling them out. Yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of, uh, that was a large shade that Charles Dickens gave to the celebration of Christmas, to Christians, to the labor, the in industry in London, all of that in one tiny little book of A Christmas Carol. Ta-da! It makes me wonder, like, because obviously this guy that wrote to him, and then the guy in Chicago, like, people were aware of this shade but I wonder if anyone like took it negatively and was like no I will continue to employ these little cold children oh I, the cold I mean it continued for you know hun almost a hundred years after that so I'm sure there are people that were like oh yeah I'm sure this writer this artist can poo-hoo us but you know I'm I'm sure people can with the, when the money's right, they can justify anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and everyone, you know, everyone's a hero in their own story. So I'm sure the factory owners are like, you know, it may be dangerous, but these kids need the work and they're lucky to have this job. And if I, like, if I get rid of them, some other little kid's gonna, some smaller kid's gonna come and take their job. You know, like, they need the work. They're just so poor. Um, that I'm sure they, like, anyone can justify anything. 
but I think there was a real big kind of eye-opening experience with that though. Yeah, thanks, Charles Dickens. You're welcome. I'm glad I fixed Christmas for the world. <laughs> I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest of all time. I'm gonna go get drunk. Put it back in your pocket, you big dumb bastard. Hey, why are you being mean to me? I don't know. Julie Carpenter's a girl. I also love how the Charles Dickens that I talked about is a, a wonderful man who loves all mankind, and a finger puppet Charles Dickens is kind of a an asshole with a. Drinking problem. So. Well, I mean, if you if you had at one point in your life been Charles Dickens, and then you woke up one day as a finger puppet at the Orlando Fringe, you'd probably be a drunk asshole too. I have to say, like, I went into this topic assuming that this would be about Charles Dickens being a dick. I think because of like my preconceived notions based on that stupid finger puppet. <laughs> You know, everybody I mean, drinks because they're hiding a pain. Maybe if you took time to talk to him, you'd find out about his pain. No, I just drink instead. Okay, fair enough. I love that uh, that Charles Dickens essentially invented Christmas as we know it. Well, and there is a movie called The Man Who Invented yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Um, but I was like, did he? <laughs> like, yeah. I was, uh, and, and so just the background of like, people didn't celebrate Christmas anymore because they were literally put in jail for celebrating it for years. That's insane. Yeah. It is interesting though, because so many of those traditions, even, I mean, I remember growing up, I just, we're always taught like, that's how it's always been. Mm -hmm. We're never taught like the origin of those things. And so kind of like a previous discussion, this idea of like, well, we're going to revisit this or we're going to change this or whatever. It's no, that is how Christmas is supposed to be. That is how we have always celebrated it. Mm -hmm. But in the grand scheme of existence, we really haven't been celebrating it that much that long. Yeah. I mean, if you, let's go into it. Like the whole, like Merry Christmas. It's like, Oh, we didn't start saying Merry Christmas till Christmas Carol was published. That was, like a little less than our civil, like American Civil yeah. War. It wasn't, I, you know. Yeah, not an effort to make this political in any way, um, but that yeah. kind of stuff, well, it exists in, in the world. Like right now, yeah. the, the debate of the phrase under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, that was added in the 50s, the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So like the Pledge of Allegiance had been around, but then they added under God, I believe to be uh, deterrent from the scare, from the Red Scare. I think it was yes. all about anti-communism. And then the, the same thing with like slavery, you got people like, well, you know, we grew up, slavery wasn't a thing. It's like, yeah, but it was only not a thing for a very short time. Mm-hmm. And it's easy, like Julie said, it's easy to forget or, or just dismiss the idea that, oh, well, it's always been the way it is when it really hasn't been. <laughs> it hasn't been yeah. for that long. I think there's been a real, maybe I'm just getting older, but when I, so we grew up and like, this is a big example, but it really kind of just shook me a few, I think it was on the treadmill or something, but you know, I'm 31 now. Bad place to be shook. Yeah. But I'm 31, you know, and I was born in 87 and it is what it is. But when I was born in 87 and I was growing up, like the Holocaust was so long ago. Anne Frank was so long ago. All that stuff was so long ago and the horrors of so long ago. But now the older I'm getting, 
time doesn't mean as much as it used to. And I'm like, oh, it when I was born, that wasn't that long ago. Like it was not that long no, ago at no. all. And it, oh, and shit. Like it just was like, oh, that's so, and then everything just felt like not to get existential crisis, but like we could shift very quickly. Like everything can shit, like, you know, the Oliver Cromwells could come in and be like, you know what? Don't do this. Don't do that. And you're like, okay, sorry. Um, and that's just, the world is always ebb and flow. And, and I think there is something to growing up and being like, oh, this is the way it's always been. And then you get to probably around our age and you're like, wait, no. I think there's also this like <laughs> interesting um, dichotomy. So it's like, mm-hmm. if it's a quote unquote good thing, there's like a sentimental memory in that it's like, oh, this is how it's always been. It's been around forever. Mm. When it's something that's not flattering to us or bad in our history or, or whatever, we separate our, ourselves from it mm-hmm. by talking about it as if it was so long ago. And how, so if we're going to get real deep, and we do it like broad spectrum, but I think I sometimes do that in like with my own habits, like, oh yeah, I, I exercise almost every day. I do yoga almost every day. And then looking at it, I've done yoga maybe three years, but I feel like, oh, I have to, and then it's like, oh, I mean, I, I used to wear low rise jeans, but that was so long ago. And it's like, no girl, that was 2004. That wasn't that long ago. Like, I think we do the same thing in our lives, you know? So, yeah. that's deep. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. Is this about New Year's or was this about Christmas? Oh, <laughs> this is about it was about finger puppet Charles Dickens. That's no, no, <laughs> he's in my pocket. Don't worry, he's sleeping. <laughs> Laura, uh-huh. what is your future light this week? Oh, 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 um, oh. Oh, I wasn't expecting to go first. <gasps> um, I think, uh, what, it, what, oh, I am going to go to, um, no, this is actually it. So the very first place that I ever had my first professional theater gig is, ce- and they do the same show every year. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary in a few weeks. And, um, they are having alumni come back and be in the show. Cool. Yeah, so I am going back and I am doing a role that I did 11 years ago. And some of my like best friends that I haven't seen like in like a few years are going to be doing the roles that they did and I'll be on the stage. And it'll just be a really cool uh, remembrance of it all. So that's my, my future life. I love that. Yeah, it's, really? it's going to be really just awesome and just cleansing because it's like yeah every it's it was so long ago but it was also not that long ago like yeah all right uh julie mike what about you yeah i'm excited because um rachel bloom who i adore in every way possible i know what you're gonna say i'm so jealous (laughs) she's doing a tour called what am i going to do with my life now and it's kind of a short tour. It's only like seven or eight dates, but she just happens to be coming to Boston and we are going to see her. 
if you're listening to our podcast, if we have become famous in six months, um, please invite us backstage. I love you. <laughs> I'm so jealous, but that's so awesome. I'm done now, Mike. You're what? Mike. Oh, gosh, what's your light? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think what I've got coming up. There's no light in my future. Oh, my God. Everything is done. <laughs> um, this is more of an, it's not like a specific thing, but um, because we were talking about Christmas, it got me thinking about the upcoming Christmas season, mm-hmm. which is not until, you know, November. But when this, I was going to say, when this releases, though, we'll probably be right around that time. Perfect. But um, my my upcoming light is celebrating our, what I'm going to call my real first Christmas back in Massachusetts. Because last year, it was just me by myself, and I didn't decorate the house very much. Uh, Julie did when she came to visit, because she wasn't here yet. So I'm excited for uh, her to be here so we can make our house Christmassy um, and go through all the Christmas stuff in New England where there's actual snow on the ground and not 90 degree humidity with fake snow blowing all over you and people sweating while they're singing Christmas carols in your direction. So that's a little obscure, but I'm looking forward to that. I think very much. I like how your future light always has like a tinge of negativity to it. I mean, no, I guess I'm just a negative person and I'm just starting to accept that. Like I'm 38, 37. I'm, 38 soon and I think maybe it's time for me to like start embracing the negativity in my soul and stop trying to pretend it's not there that sounds really dark and mean (laughs) I mean but I think I'm hitting a point where like I've always tried to hide it and now I'm kind of like no I think I just need to let people know if I if I have no more fucks to give I just gotta let them know I got no more fucks to give (laughs) I think I just have to start doing that I've that way with like just not giving a fuck about making fun of myself where I'm like yeah you know so I think, yeah, I think it's just your 30s of like, here I am. Here we go. Yeah, maybe. But I, but positively, I'm excited to have a cold New England Christmas. <gasps> like little women. Sorry. That's what, like autom- weirdly what I always go to. Little Louise um, Alcott. So before we say goodbye, I'm going to open my door and make sure there's not a demon behind it. <laughs> what oh my was? God, there's a demon. Oh, nice. I yep. thought I could scare you. I don't know why I thought I could scare you. No. There's you no demon. You can't scare me more than what my mind can do. So. But if you know a demon, <laughs> if you're friends with the demon, if you're enemies with a demon, can you ask the demon to leave us a good review? <laughs> all right. And follow us on Instagram and all that fun stuff. And send us, send us some Christmas shade. If you've had some family, not recent, but some previous family Christmas shade. I love family shade. It's the best. Oh, yeah. Especially brothers and sisters. Oh. Sibling shade. Sibling shade. All right. Bye. Bye. So long. underscore shade or Facebook at historical shade. We don't have a Twitter.
Thanks, Julie. <laughs>